Welcome back, everybody. Time once again for another episode of Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. With your host, she's been there. She knows how to deal with it. Been doing it for 19 years. Our host, Roberta Luna. Welcome, Roberta. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back again. Love coming back. And I'm not sure about the dealing with it yet, but we're working on that and we will continue. Today, I have a very special guest with me again, Donnie Campbell. Donnie, thank you for coming back. Thank you. It's nice to see you again and lovely to have you back. Donnie is a wife, mother, animal lover, energizer bunny, woman who believes in working hard and playing harder, and a almost three-year pancreatic cancer survivor joined us today to share more of her journey. Did I get that all right? You did. <laughs> I had to go back and count because I had a two-year, but I got the thing. Wait a minute. You were diagnosed in 2018. Right. So that makes it a little more than two years. So you're almost going to be three years. So congratulations. I'm Thank really you. I'm really to be saying that. So. Yeah. When you were first told that you had pancreatic cancer, what did they tell you that pancreatic cancer was? Good question. <laughs> Obviously, we had a lot of questions before they you know, really finished all the tests. Obviously, it was a 9% survival rate at that time. Now we know it's 10%. They also didn't know if I would be operable, um, which you know made me quite nervous. But then once they um, did the biopsy and finished all the tests, we did, you know, find out that I was operable um, because of the location of the tumor. So my tumor was located in the middle of my pancreas. And I believe that, you know, if if the tumor would have been in the head, my situation may have been a little different. Um, And so um, I was eligible right away for surgery within um, three weeks of my diagnosis. That's really amazing because you fall into that small percent that is able to have surgery because most of them are inoperable for various reasons. Right. A lot of times it is because of the location. If it's too close to the artery and the veins, um, then it's usually, it's a no-go. So I'm really you know happy. That, I'm sorry you had to go through the surgery, but very happy that at least you were in, in that option. And after they did the surgery or even before, did they tell you or go into what options that you had was... Obviously, surgery was one, but was there any other options you had besides surgery, or was that the best option? That was the best option. Um, there was discussion about doing chemo before surgery, but the best route for me at that time was to do surgery first. And then um, after the surgery, immediately we went into chemo. Did the doctors explain why they wanted to do the surgery first rather than chemo, then followed by surgery? Did they explain that at all? My understanding was the sooner we could get the tumor out, that it hadn't spread the cancer, um, the better, and then they could treat it um, faster. Um, I was fortunate enough that um, when they did remove the tumor, the cancer hadn't spread. And so, you know, they just wanted to make sure then at that point there weren't any lingering cells in there or cancer that they weren't able to detect. And so then they recommended uh, chemo. So after your surgery, you had chemo. How much time had passed before you started chemo? Um, 30 days. So I went as soon as I could um, by the recommendation of my surgeon. He wanted to make sure, obviously, that I could physically handle it 
And I worked really hard to, you know, hurry after my surgery. And 30 days later, I was in chemo. What was recovery like from the surgery? Um, it was really tough. It was um, painful. You know, I was learning my my bowels. I was learning, um, you know, just because it was, um, you know, my, my um, incision is, you know, completely, mm-hmm. you know, my entire stomach. Yeah. And so just learning my muscles, um, how to get up and get down um, using the restroom, very, very painful. Um but each week, um, you know, it was as soon as I had my surgery, I was up and walking that night. Um, and so it was just making sure that I stayed, you know, as active as I could um, to make sure that the recovery was was solid. Well, good. And it, you recovered in 30 days. That sounds like a, it's a really good amount of time. I would think that it would take longer, but 30 days, fairly short. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it is or not. But they say me, they say long. 68 weeks. Wow. So I was fortunate, I think, because I was in good um health when it comes to being active. And so um, I was my body was strong in that sense. So I was able to probably push myself a little bit more because I was I was anxious to move forward with the chemo and get that going to ensure that whatever if there was anything in there that we were getting it. Yeah, I have a feeling that you probably would have pushed regardless of the situation, <laughs> whether you were really healthy or not. But right. But, so what type of chemo did they start you on? Um, I did full furanox. And, um, you know, it was something that I didn't realize at the time um, how strong that chemo was. And, you know, it, it, it really tore me down. I mean, there, there were some sessions that I needed to take a break. And um, I wasn't happy about needing to take a break, but it was it was really, really hard on my body. Yeah, it's that one is a tough one. And I've even had a gentleman six feet, 250 pounds tell me, don't let him put you on that because it's very tough. So yeah, for you to be able to do that is really I'm really happy to hear that. So good. yeah. And how often did you do chemo? I did chemo every two weeks um, for 12 rounds. Did you take breaks in between those um, two weeks or did you go t- two weeks? I'm sorry. The full 12 weeks straight without a break? No, I did have, I had two breaks. And I remember I was going into session seven and my numbers were not good. And my oncologist said that I need a break. My body needs a break. And I was so disappointed because I was (laughs) like, I I was just so determined to to get through this chemo. And um, he said that most people, after even just a couple of these sessions, especially being on Fulfurinox, um, you know, you, you need, they need breaks sooner. And that he was surprised that I had gone seven and to not, you know, be so hard on myself, but my, but I need to give my body a break. And so um, I was back in a week later, though. So I oh, didn't, wow. I, I still didn't go. The longest I went, I think was eight days, um, you know, and it was twice that I had to um, postpone. Did you have any side effects um, from the chemo that you were using? I did. I had a lot of side effects. Um, obviously, nausea, extremely exhausted, um, very weak. And um, I think the thing that was the unexpected for me was the neuropathy. So I ended up um, getting neuropathy. It would come and go during you know my sessions, but today I still have it. Um, it's not as bad as it was, but it's it's still there, and it's um, it's in my feet and in my fingers. Can you explain a little bit? Because I know a lot of people aren't going to realize what neuropathy is. Can you tell us a little bit what that is? Please? Sure. Um, it's a nerve damage. And for me, 
when I was first, when it first started happening, my entire foot was numb. It's almost like it was, it fell asleep, kind of like pins and needles and this burning sensation. And to the touch, I, I can't feel, I couldn't feel anything. And so it was interesting because during my chemo, halfway through my sessions, I would, I could feel it coming. I could feel my, my hands getting numb and my feet getting numb. And anything, um, especially a cold sensation, was really, really difficult for me. And so when I was done with treatment, my oncologist was hoping that eventually it would go away. And, you know, now I'm about, uh, well, two years in December will be from my last treatment this, this wow. December. And, um, and it has lessened, definitely, because it's more on the, the um, front of my foot, you know, on my, on my um, toes, and then on my fingertips. So it's not my entire hand anymore. But when I do get cold, it, it is very, very painful. And it's really just numb and that tingling feeling. Yeah, it is. And it's something that I experienced as well. And still, unfortunately, with especially with my hands, I didn't get it with my feet, but in my hands. And it's surprising because you really don't stop to think about, you know, you think it's so easy to pick up something on off the floor or off a table yeah. until you're experiencing it and you just can't quite grab it and, and get a hold of it. Yeah. Or even putting on a necklace or trying to clasp something, mm-hmm. you know, I just uh, and right now it's just really the, the tips of my fingers. Um, but my feet are hard because... You know, you don't realize, you know, like certain shoes I wear, I can't wear a lot of um, the fun heels I used to wear, you know, so because I just need to be careful that I don't trip. So um, and I and I have fallen. Um, I fell after one of my radiation treatments um, because I couldn't feel my feet. I fell off the curb and broke my patella. And so um, I know right in the middle of radiation. (laughs) So so I have to be careful now. And so, you know, I wear a lot of flat shoes and tennis Mm -hmm. shoes. But, you know, in all honesty, if, if that's all I have to deal with um, as a survivor, I'll, I'll take it for now. <laughs> I have to agree with you. If that's the worst that I'm going mean, to go through and, and yeah. I, I share that with you. So I, yeah. I totally get it. But, yeah, it is. It can be very frustrating. Like just doing si- simple things you don't think about, you know, like I say, putting on jewelry or yeah. anything. It's just very debilitating. Are you able to do anything for that, like, you know, acupuncture or anything that you found that helps or yoga or anything? You know, I have to I have to say I've done I did acupuncture one time. Um, I did not go back. I should. And I'm just starting now to have conversations with my oncologist about alternative things that I can start to do. So I know for sure keeping my feet warm and my hands warm helps tremendously. Um, and circulation, I think, is is important too. So I have some balls that I use to to kind of massage and and rub on the bottom of my feet um, to keep that going. But um, but we are going to try alternative things, and and I think acupuncture is going to be another thing that I'll do more consistently to see if that helps. You might want to ask too about yoga. Like so, when I told my yoga instructor what I was going through, she actually really was able to help me do some things that help open that up and help with that. So, That's wonderful. Yeah, give it a try. And okay. I find I now I really I thought didn't think I could do yoga, but I really love for it. For you. So. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good for a lot of other things, too, as well. Right. And how did you get through the chemo emotionally? You know, I was, um, from the minute I was diagnosed, I decided, um, and, you know, I had a social worker who came in when I was diagnosed to just kind of talk to me about many different things, but a lot of, of my feelings and what I was going through. And I decided during that conversation that I was going to do everything in my power to fight this. 
And I also learned that my attitude had a lot to do with it as well. And so um, I wanted to make sure that every step of the way of my journey was done in a positive way. And so I decided to have, you know, it sounds so odd to say this, but I decided to have some fun with my chemo. And so my first chemo was on a Saturday before um, Super Bowl in February of that year. And my favorite football team, the Rams, just happened to be in the Super Bowl. And so um, my brother and my husband and I, we all wore our Rams gear. And that kind of started a trend. Um, for every chemo session, I decided to do a theme. And, um, you know, it it made something so dreadful to go through chemo, because I have to say, I was very, of all the things, my surgery being diagnosed, you know, I, I was ex- I was accepting it the best that I could, but I was the most fearful of chemo because I had heard so many horrible things, and and I just I was really so nervous and scared, and so I thought, what can I do to take some of that that stress away? And so the themes ended up being something that I didn't even realize how wonderful they would be. My friends, every every chemo session, I invited a different family member or a different friend. And we would pick the theme. And so we had so much fun. Like, like um, I invited my goddaughter and her mom, and we did Dodgers, and she was 10 at the time. And, you know, they bought us matching socks, and we had all this matching gear. And it was just, it just took the edge off a little bit, you know, even though it was so hard and so stressful. But I think the other thing that um, made my chemo session so special was I invited, you know, the, the one or two people to come with me. And um, that quality time that I had with those family members or friends, because we usually get together with big groups and there's, you know, a lot of us and, you know, you chat here and there. But to have that one-on-one quality time in a very intimate setting was so special to me. And um, I'll never forget, you know, those times. So it was it was really special. Well, I think it's very inspirational what you did. And for any of you that are noticing, we are in our Lakers gear yes. today because that was one of her themes. And thank goodness the Lakers are also their color is purple. So that made me very happy. Yeah, so that's right. We decided that we would do a Lakers theme today and, and kind of share with what she had been going through, what Donna's gone through. Donna, I'm sorry, has gone through with her, her chemo. You wouldn't, you wouldn't um, realize um, even the patients that were getting their treatments you know, I got to know some of them and we sometimes had the same schedules and they were looking forward to what theme I was going to have. And, and I remember actors were the two that everybody, a lot of people, you know, could connect with. Yeah. And it put put big (laughs) smiles on their faces. So it was, it was, it was a, a nice thing to, to do. Well, as a former, um, chemo patient and I thank you for doing that and bringing a little (laughs) bit of light into it. Cause like you said, it's very, it can be very tough and very hard to go through. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just went blank. Well, I was gonna, I was going to share a story about um, one of one of our um, themes was Hawaiian theme, and my girlfriend flew out from Oklahoma. We had decided to to do the Hawaiian theme. She had bought us Hawaiian skirts, <laughs> and we had lays, and we had all the all the Hawaiian stuff on, and we walked through the infusion center. And that happened to be one of the days that, that my numbers were not good and uh, my chemo was canceled. And I was so disappointed, um, you know, for many reasons, but also that my girlfriend had flown out. And so as we were leaving the um, infusion center, one of the patients said, are you guys performing for us today? <laughs> and my girlfriend and I looked at each other and said, well, we could. If you want, we could try to do some hula dancing. 
<laughs> you know, so it would have um, been fun to see the, t- yeah, the attempt, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, to bring a smile to the patients, you know, going through the chemo, it's just truly priceless. I mean, when they bring in the service dogs or, you know, people just to talk to you, because some people are by themselves during chemo. And so I was fortunate that I had my family and friends with me. But to bring a little light to somebody while we're while I was going through this too meant a lot to me as well. It does. And it also puts you in a better frame of mind because you are bringing something positive to somebody else. Yeah. Um, I noticed you brought a journal with you. Do you, if it's not too personal and you're okay with it, do you want to share a little bit with us about that? Yeah. So what I did was um, I received this journal from my sister-in-law and I decided to um, document my chemo. And so um, what we did was, you know, I would write how my sessions went, who my nurses were, um, how I was feeling on those days, you know, even the snacks that I brought because throughout, you know... My usually lasted six to eight hours. And so um, as the, you know, poison and the medicines going through your body, you know, you start to shut down and start feeling nauseous. So it was important for me to kind of document, you know, the, the, the snacks that helped me like ginger candies mm-hmm. or um, cold grapes were some of my favorite things. And so I asked each person that came to also write a note to me. And so Interestingly enough, I still haven't read the notes yet because I don't think emotionally I can do that. But um, but it was really special. And so my my uh, goddaughter on her Dodger day, she actually drew in her section, you know, Dodger Stadium, and you know, she I don't know if you guys can see it on the camera, but <laughs> but she drew Dodger Stadium, and she's a softball player too. So um, we had we had done some fun things at Dodger Stadium together. So so very very special journal to look back on and um, to just remember. Um, I can say too that this journal's helped me now helping other survivors in remembering what I went through, maybe midpoint and towards the end, because the accumulation of the medicine definitely impacted me. My first two sessions were much easier than my last two sessions. Mm -hmm. Do you journal now for yourself? I don't. I haven't done that. Do you journal? I do rarely, but it's like, again, it's like something maybe it's because I don't want to relive it. I don't know, but there may be something will come up and then I feel like I need to do something, but I'm not good at journaling on a daily, weekly, or anything basis. But I know a lot of uh, chemo patients or cancer patients are. Yeah. I thought I would write a blog during my treatments, but um, I was too too sick to be able to do that. I couldn't, I just couldn't find, and I, I was more like you where I just documented more of the facts mm-hmm. versus what I was going through emotionally. And maybe one day I'll be able to go back and do that. Yeah, I think a lot of times uh, one reason why I don't write too is I don't I don't think I want my loved ones to go back and read how sometimes how I was really feeling. Yeah. You know, because I think I think you're a lot like me and as a survivor we put on a big front sometimes and don't let people in to see what we're really going through because we feel we have to protect them. That's I don't know so if, true. if you felt that way, but I, I Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think your caretaker some of your closest family to help you get through it too. Cause I don't want to be crying all the time either. You know, I, I, I know I felt that way. Yeah. But I, I think your inner feelings and what you perceive has a lot to do with your survival and how you get through things. So yeah. keep up whatever you are doing, you know, because we're, like we said last time, we're going to have you come back every so often, but especially, especially once a year, maybe around your, around your anniversary, you did six months of chemo. You took a one month break. 
Then you did 28 rounds of radiation, five days a week for six weeks with an oral chemo rounding out the month of November, right? Just about a year after being diagnosed. Not only did you participate in Orange County's Purple Stride, but you were the second highest fundraiser individual in 2019. With all you'd been through in 2019, you were had just finished your chemo and yeah. your radiation and all that rounds. How and why did you? Why were you? How were you able to do <laughs> Purple Stride? And for those stars, Pan Can Signature Walk to bring awareness and raise funds for pancreatic cancer. But how were you able to do that? Because we did that in November and you were going through all this ending in November. How were you able to pull that off? And I have a photo and you look great. I, <laughs> I was surprised at how well you really looked after everything you'd been through. Yeah, I um, and I had a broken patella on top of it all. You know, and so that didn't help matters. I just had this attitude that nothing was going to stop me. And um, I had such an outpour of love and support from family and friends that I knew that you know, it was important for us to all get together, but I'm also so passionate and so appreciative of what PanCan is doing to help us find early detection, to help us find, you know, even better um, medicine when you are diagnosed so that we increase our survivorships. Um, and so whatever it takes is is my attitude and, and what I want to do. So I'm blessed to, you know, we had a hundred, over a hundred People come to join Donnie Strong and, and my team, show up in person to walk. And uh, it meant the absolute world to me. We plan to be there again next year. I think it's going to be in April, yes. if I'm not mistaken. April 30th. April 30th. Yes. Okay. We will be there in full force, I promise you, and even <laughs> raising more money. So <laughs> we are in for the win. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's just when I was going back and looking at photos and stuff, and it dawned on me, wait a minute, this is November. She just finished treatment. How... Why didn't you just take an extended long vacation, which you so rightly deserved? Why didn't you just go somewhere and, and you know, continue on something like this? Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned about being an energizer bunny, and <laughs> it did take everything in my, in my power to do that walk. I remember we had um, some of our favorite cousins from Arizona fly in to do the walk with us, and um, you know, I, I was really tired. But, but for me, being alive and, and being a survivor and helping others was my mission and to do that walk was no problem. Well, I thank you for doing that because you've been a great inspiration and uh, thank you for sharing your journey with us. I know it's hard sometimes to go back and relive all these feelings and do it, but you really are helping an, an, a lot of people by doing this. And I really want to thank you. I hope those th- that are now going through chemo can take something of what you've done, even if it's not maybe to the extreme of having the theme, you know, for each chemo, but just to do something to help them get through it. I think they'll find that it will, it will generally help them a lot. So hopefully they will take a little bit, maybe have a Dodger day, an angel day or whatever it is they want to do. Yeah. But, uh, thank you for sharing that with us and for doing that. I think that's really, really amazing. When you were here last, I asked you for advice or, wor- or words of wisdom for, to give for caregivers. I want to turn that around a little bit and ask you what words of wisdom or advice do you have for any survivors going through this now? Um, you know, as a survivor, um, so much was meeting people like you, other survivors, being in a support group, having a really great medical team, and remembering that as you're collecting all this information and getting advice, everybody's different, and you have to do what works for you. And what worked for you, by the way, last week may not work for you this week. And so don't be hard on yourself. The best advice I received was take it one minute at a time. 
You can't even do one day at a time when you're in treatment, one minute at a, at a time. And that's what I did. And I really put myself first. I didn't put anybody or anything else first but me so that I could just battle. And I think I did it. I think you did an awesome <laughs> job. And it, it, as hard as it is, you're right. You have to. This is the one time you have to put yourself first. And you're not being selfish by doing that. Because we all want to be here longer. We all want to be with our families, see our kids grow up and yeah. and whatnot. And I know I'm going to cry too. <laughs> I know, so. like, wow, I did so good, Roberta, until no. the end. <laughs> oh, you did a great job. And again, I appreciate you coming and sharing your story with us because I find it very inspirational. And I want to have you back many times. And uh, just thank you for coming and sharing that again. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. Another inspirational reason to join us on this inspirational program. There's a way through. There's a way. There's hope. Living hope. Join us every week as we take the journey living with pancreatic cancer. And for those of you who might want to share your stories, we invite you to please come contact us here at the station. And if you know somebody that needs help right now, hey, there's a place, there's a number. We're going to give it to you. Pull out your pen or check it later. Just call Patient Services at 8772 and the number pan and the letter pan can. That's 877, the number two, and then P-A-N-C-A-N for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. And for me, I'm Paul Roberts with the OC Talk Radio Network, hoping that you'll come back and join us as we take this journey each and every week here in Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio.